Good evening. Welcome again to our Wednesday night uh, Bible study and devotion. Hope that you've had a good week this week and that uh, things are going well. Uh, we and I invite you to turn with us tonight to Matthew chapter 5. We're continuing our study of the Sermon on the Mount and uh, the particularly the Beatitudes. And so tonight uh, we're dealing with the eighth Beatitude. Uh, actually, it is the longest one. Uh, it's actually three verses. Um, and we'll get into that as we unpack it tonight. Uh, but we're in Matthew chapter 5. Uh, and we're talking about the Beatitude of Blessed are the Persecuted. Now, this is one of these Beatitudes that deals with a negative subject. It was like, uh, Blessed are those who mourn. Not a particularly uh, enjoyable uh, experience. Um, and this is another one that... Uh, Jesus says that we are blessed because we have uh, experienced a thing that is called persecution. So we're going we're gonna to really dig into this today and uh, look at it and uh, understand what it means to be blessed for being persecuted. So we are in Matthew chapter 5, uh, verses 10 through 12. If you have your Bibles, turn to that or it will appear on the screen. So Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil things against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Okay, so we're talking about persecution tonight. Um, this particular beatitude has a, has a couple of very interesting uh, nuances to it, uh, and the the way that Jesus worded these, this this particular beatitude uh, was uh, uh, very very important. We want to remem remember that uh, the form of the beatitude deals with a blessing of some sort. It is a it is a, a feeling of joy and it is a positive emotional feeling, uh, a, a contentment uh, that is not based on uh, circumstances and it's not based on simply being happy. We've said as we've studied through the Beatitudes, we've repeatedly said that happiness is a positive emotion and there's nothing wrong with being happy, but it is a, an emotion that truly is based on circumstances. Uh, blessedness is not and so when we talk about being blessed we talk about having a positive emotional response a contentment a joy that is not based on circumstances uh, and is untouchable by by chance or circumstances so here we are dealing with a an unpleasant subject the subject of persecution now uh, nobody likes to think about persecution but when a Christian lives by godly standards, sooner or later, uh, he is going to come in conflict with the standards and the ideas of the world. Living by God's will will inevitably put us in conflict with those who live by their own wills. Uh, sooner or later, we are going to feel persecution. In fact, Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.12, he says all of us, everyone, will experience persecution. Now, we happen to live in a time when persecution has been pretty rare in our own experience in our, in our own society. Uh, persecution is 
goes on, goes on every day around the world. But here in the United States, uh, we have been free from persecution. We have we we don't really have a, a lot of experience with that. Anytime that we run afoul of the of the values of the world and and uh, their then the the values of of a fallen man uh, come in conflict with the, with the values and the position of a Christian, we might get. We might get made fun of. We might uh, find ourselves in, in sharp disagreement. Maybe even get in arguments. But very rarely do we experience, on a large scale, what we would classify as persecution. So Jesus starts off by saying, "Blessed are those who are persecuted." So we need to understand what persecution means. Persecution is a is a general term. Uh, it is a it is an all inclusive term for a variety of ways that that we can be mistreated. And so he says, blessed are those who are persecuted. There are two statements here. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Blessed are those uh, who are persecuted for my name's sake. So we're going we're gonna to unpack these two because they are, they are different statements. The first one is blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Uh, and the, the pronoun that is used there is very important because it is blessed are those. Now those... If you're in English grammar, you understand that those, the word those is a third person pronoun. It's sort of like blessed are you guys, or blessed are those that you may know, or blessed are them. Uh, th those are the kinds of statements that uh, a third person pronoun will, will, uh, will include. So th this is a general group. Uh, it's a statement of, of, of generality as a, as a group, and it, and it, it implies a and he uses a single word, persecution. It implies that this is a variety of ways of mistreating Christianity or Christians in general. And uh, the, the, the implications are a, a general, widespread, uh, even a systemic persecution. Um, now, the first time that that occurred in history was during the Roman Empire, when the Roman Empire began to, to systematically as a, as a function of government, systematically persecute Christians. And it was pretty horrible stuff that they, that they did. And they were not without a variety of, of mistreatments that they could bring to bear. But the, 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 so the question becomes, you know, why would there be general persecution, even systemic, governmental, societal persecution, varieties of mistreatment, uh, for uh, against Christians, I mean, after all, we're pretty good folks. I mean, you know, uh, we, we we stand up for for moral standards and try to do right things. And why would that generate a general case, a general uh, persecution of Christians in the Roman world? The Roman persecution of, of Christians in the church was essentially political. Um, they they needed a way to unify. The far-flung and and diverse uh, populations that in that were part of the Roman Empire uh, in the early stages of this, you had what was called the spirit of the empire. So you had this this uh, philosophy that uh, the, the 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 general well-being of society was being held together and fostered because of the stability of the uh, that that Roman law. Uh, brought to the empire, and was and it was called in literature, in philosophy, the spirit of the empire. Now, as that moved along, uh, by the time of emperors like Caligula and some of those guys, uh, well into the imperial period, 
the, the spirit of the empire was part of the, of the republic, the, the Roman Republic. It, it, it carried over into the early days, the early emperors of the imperial period. But as time went along, there was a, there was a greater need for unifying of the, the diverse cultures and the diverse peoples of the empire. So the spirit of the empire evolved into emperor worship where the emperor was bestowed the title of divinity. Now, most of the emperors that carried the title of divinity realized that they weren't divine. It was a political designation, but it was a, it was a, a, a patriotic thing to come together and to burn incense in the name of the divine emperor. And it was a showing, a, showing a, a, that you were a good citizen and then that you were patriotic and those kinds of things. Now, there were a few emperors who kind of took it seriously. Caligula was one of them. Domitian was one of them uh, who kind of took it further. They, they kind of believed their own, their own press clippings and they began to believe that they, they were sort of divine and they had a divine right to exercise their wills and what have you. And so when a Christian could not say Caesar is Lord, they, they, they would not do that. They, they would only say that Jesus is Lord even though they paid their taxes and they considered themselves to be loyal citizens of the empire. But that kind of conflict standing up for that kind of conflict uh, was the source of the Roman persecutions. So Jesus warned before any of this ever happened, Jesus warned that blessed are those, third person pronoun, who will be persecuted for righteousness sake. Now so what does, what does it mean to be persecuted for righteousness sake? Now we've talked about this before. The, the idea of, of being righteous has, has two meanings in the New Testament. The first meaning is that it is the state of being made right with God through our relationship with Jesus Christ that we've entered into by faith. When we enter into a, when we get saved, we enter into a faith relationship with Jesus. God declares us to be righteous. He declares us to be in right standing with Him. And that is a gift. It cannot be earned. It cannot be uh, uh, done by doing good works. That, that is a faith action on our part because of the grace of God is offered to us when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior and we enter into a faith relationship with God through Jesus. And when that happens, the New Testament says that we have, we have entered into a state of being righteous, that is being in right standing with God. So that's, that's the first meaning of righteousness. The second meaning of righteousness is that because we are in this right standing with God through faith in Jesus, we do godly things. We are motivated and we are equipped and we are, we are given the ability to do right things. And so we live a righteous life by doing the things that are right or the things that are godly. So why does Jesus say then that blessed are those, third person pronoun, who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Because all that sounds pretty good. I mean, there, there's nothing that, that strikes us as being something that's a threat to general society. But, but a world that is, not, is governed and a world that, has, that does not have Christ as Lord, the will of God is not being done on earth today as it is in heaven. That's what we pray for in, in the Lord's Prayer. Satan is the Lord of this earth. And so sin is rampant. Anti-God ideas are rampant. And when anybody, especially a Christian, says that Jesus is Lord and whatever demagogue you are as a ruler, Adolf Hitler, Stalin, 
uh, Napoleon, you know, go down the list. All through history, uh, rulers have, have emerged that have considered themselves above God and that, that the state or their own personalities, it goes back to Roman emperors, uh, their own personalities, they demanded ultimate and, and total allegiance above all else to them. And so Christians wouldn't do that. Christians couldn't do that. Because of our relationship with God through Christ, we cannot say that Caesar is Lord or anybody else is Lord. We have to say that Jesus is Lord and that rulers of this world rule under the authority and, with, and through the power and permission of a holy God who is over them. That very statement, that very position, is, is being, will generate persecution. And it's persecution for righteousness' sake because we are saying that there is no higher authority, no higher loyalty than our loyalty with Christ. And there are, there are people and organizations and governments and cultures in this world that uh, will not abide by that and feel justified in actively putting Christians and persecuting Christians as a result. Muslims will do it. Other religions will do it. Governments will do it, uh, and we, we've seen it throughout history. So that is, that is the systemic, societal, governmental persecution of those, the them, the third person pronoun. And Jesus says that persecution will occur for righteousness' sake, that, that because of the stand that you take um, for being a disciple of mine. Then he goes on to say the second thing. He says, blessed are you. Not blessed are those, blessed are you. Now, blessed are you is a first-person pronoun. So now it's getting more personal. It's getting down to the individual. It's not Christians collectively because of our stance for Christ. It is Christians individually. And he says, blessed are you when you are reviled. Now, reviled is a very interesting word. He actually says three things. When you are reviled, persecuted, and, 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 and all manner of evil is said against you falsely. He says three things, but he begins with the term reviled. So it's interesting and important that we understand what reviled means. Because reviled is a very personal type of insult. It is a very personal type of attack. So when a person is reviled, then uh, they, there is a condemnation uh, and exposes those with lies and abuse and insults. It's a very personal thing. Uh, they, they, the person who is doing the reviling feels perfectly justified in doing what they're doing and they, and they see no limitation, they see no boundaries uh, in, the, in the amount of vilifying that they can do. Now, Scripture teaches or says that when Jesus was on the cross, the religious leaders came by and saw him on the cross, and they wagged their heads, and the, and the word is they reviled him. Okay, they, they insulted him, and they said, if you're the Son of God, save yourselves, come down from the cross, save us too, all this kind of stuff, and it was a very, very personal attack. And so Jesus is saying that you are going to be, you individually, personally, are going to be personally attacked. You're going to be personally insulted, and you're going to be personally uh, persecuted and all manner of evil and lies are going to be said about you and the people who are going to do this to you will feel perfectly justified in doing what they're doing. In the New Testament it says a time is going to come uh, Jesus said to his disciples a time will come when people will, will think that they are serving God 
when they kill you and they and they attack you they will believe that they are serving God we live in times just like that we live in times when we have a, a major world religion the Muslim religion that says we are doing God's will when we kill the infidel now there are things about Islam that are good and you know upright and good philosophy but fundamentally at their core they believe that Allah is God and Allah is not the God of heaven uh, if, if you do any study of Islam you'll begin to see the very differences between the, the God of the Muslims and the God of the Christians and the Jews uh, and they believe and they teach uh, especially in radical Islam they, they, they teach that you are doing the will of God when you kill and attack the infidels now we in the Western culture of Christianity and, and the flow of Western Christian thought find that idea to be just bizarre you know but but we've seen terrorist groups that are radical Muslims uh, beheading cutting the heads off on video of Christians and and uh, mocking them we've seen school shootings the Columbine shootings in Colorado that were aimed at Christians and they were asked do you believe in Jesus and the, the some of the students that were killed, one girl in particular, said, yes, I do, and they shot her and killed her dead. These kinds of things are happening, and we have escaped in America, the majority of that, but a lot of, of reviling is beginning to emerge and to take shape in a lot of the things that are happening in the days in which we're living, a lot of the things that we're seeing. It's, it's, it's not, it's not uh, as overt yet as it probably will become, but, but we do not need to be foolish and we do not need to be uh, naive about the spirit that is uh, being manifested in a lot of the things that are going on in our country today. So Jesus says, blessed are you when you are, when you are reviled. And then he says, for my sake. Now what does that mean for my sake? It's one thing to be persecuted for righteousness sake, for our relationship with God through Christ and our, and our loyalty being Christ to, to, to Jesus uh, above all other loyalties. That's, that's important and we certainly do that. But this portion of the Beatitude is saying you are going to be attacked personally simply because of your testimony of faith in Christ. That is being reviled and insulted and attacked for, for Christ's sake, for his name's sake. Now, these are things that we don't like to talk about. These are things that are, that are decidedly unpleasant. Uh, quite frankly, these are things that we, hadn't, we haven't experienced. In our, in our frame of reference, in our culture, in our history as a nation, we've not experienced this. Uh, I pray that that, that would continue. Uh, and that we don't experience it. But there are believers around the world, even as we study this beatitude tonight, who are experiencing these very things. And we, we, we can go to China. We can go to the Middle East. We can go to places in Africa. We can go to some places in Europe where this kind of activity, insults, vile uh, persecutions, systemic persecutions, persecutions of culture, persecutions of government and religious authorities are going on today. Uh, today is a capital crime to be a Christian in a Muslim country that is a radical Muslim country. You can be killed and your family 
would be considered justified in doing God, doing Allah a favor if they did. Those kinds of things. So that, that kind of stuff is going on. We have been very, very fortunate in America that, uh, that we have not had to deal with that. So where is the blessing in, in all of this? <laughs> I mean, really, uh, this, this does not sound like much that we're to, to be rejoicing about. Uh, there, there are a few places that we can go to in Scripture that indicate what some of the blessings are that we have when we are persecuted for being a Christian. Uh, one is it teaches us self-denial in Luke 9:23. We ha you have to put yourself aside. You have to put your own uh, thoughts of well-being and your own pride and your own uh, rights aside to be a follower of Christ. So it teaches us self-denial that we don't have to defend ourselves. We don't we don't have to uh, uh, give as good as we get and those kinds of things. The temptation. The temptation is certainly is to give as good as you get, and uh, and, and a Christian is going to be in conflict with himself when when attacked and those kinds of things. Is it right to defend ourselves? Is it right to even use force uh, or even deadly force to defend ourselves when we are being uh, under attack? Those kinds of moral questions come into play uh, when we are talking about self-denial uh, in the first three centuries of the church. It was uh, considered to be uh, a, a graceful thing and a good thing to be martyred. The church actually had to take, take a position and say, in the early, during, during the th first 300 years of the church, the church councils got together and said, the Christian is not to seek martyrdom. Uh, that, 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 that that's not really uh, a, something that we're called to do. But if martyrdom comes, we're not to... We're not to oppose it or, or we're to accept it, but we're not necessarily to seek it. And I think that principle holds true today. We're not, we're not to, you know, to, to seek out there to, to cause trouble, but if trouble comes our way, we're to accept it and, and, to, and to deal with it. Uh, but it teaches self-denial. The second thing that it produces, uh, hard times and persecution, produces spiritual maturity. Uh, James 1, 2 through 3 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you come under various testings, because these times of testing and, and, and uh, difficulty uh, produce perseverance and it, it brings about spiritual maturity. So that, that's a blessing that comes from persecution. But Jesus' specific blessing said that we are to rejoice because we, ha we have heaven to look forward to and great is our reward in heaven. Some of the blessing of this beatitude of persecution we will experience some of those blessings on earth, this side of heaven, but specifically this beatitude promises a blessing of great reward in heaven in the time of after our physical life is over and we have gone to be with God. That the, the blessings of being persecuted will be experienced there. There are, there are blessings this side of heaven, there will be blessings even greater the other side of heaven. So. Uh, we could read this eighth beatitude if we were going to, to apply it uh, and, and, and read it. The eighth beatitude means rejoice and be glad when those among you are mistreated for being right with God through faith in Jesus and doing right and when you are insulted, vilified, and lied about because of your testimony about Jesus for a home in heaven is yours and great will be your reward there. Blessed are the persecuted, 
ultimately the rewards for that will be in heaven there are there are distinct blessings this side of heaven but that's one that God says specifically will be experienced with him in heaven I encourage you to use this time for, for your prayer time and uh, also to uh, get your prayer list out be on the lookout for some some information coming from uh, uh, the church where we will be rolling out uh, what we believe God is leading us to do as we deal with the unprecedented and the length of this pandemic we are we are looking out one year into the future where we're asking the church to experiment with us for a year we, we need to regather we need to regather in large groups and worship services that and we're doing that we need to regather in small groups and we're and we're going to be presenting a, a, a way of doing that and a method of doing that so that we can we can uh, fellowship together and regather in small groups and we can regather in large groups and we're going to ask that the church uh, uh, accept and, and follow and to uh, embrace a one-year experiment on how to do that. We'll be explaining all that, rolling that out uh, in, in, in the next few weeks, and we look to, to want to start that at the beginning of the new church year, which will, be, will begin on September 1st. Be on the lookout for that. You're going to hear a whole lot more about it, uh, and we are wanting to be strategic and, and, and broad thinking, and we want to address the context that this COVID pandemic has created for us. Context defines the world that we have to live in. And it appears that this COVID pandemic is going to be around for a while. And so uh, we need to be able to function as a body of Christ and according to the way that God would have us to function uh, in a context that we didn't ask for and has been imposed upon us and it's outside of our control. But that does not mean that we cannot be effective followers of Christ during this time. So be on the lookout for that. You'll be hearing more about it in the weeks ahead. Uh, have, have a good evening, and we hope to see you Sunday. Talk to you later. Goodbye.